Many of the people who struggled together or against each other during the Protestant Reformation are still known today. But the work of God through the Reformation included thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe, unknown to many of us today. Among this group is Wolfgang Capito, a reformer who desired more of God and preached the gospel while promoting peace. And for that reason, he was often in trouble with his reforming friends. Join me today for Missionary Monday as we learn about Wolfgang Capito. Reformed and Evangelical, Confessional and Missional. Welcome to Creeds and Deeds. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done his miracles, and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statue, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan, and as your portion for an inheritance. This is the word of our Lord. Westminster Shorter Catechism, questions 45 through 48. Question 45. What is the first commandment? Answer. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. Question 46. What is required in the first commandment? Answer. The first commandment requires us to know and acknowledge God to be the only true God and our God and to worship and glorify him accordingly. Scripture proof. Matthew 4 verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Question 47. What is forbidden in the first commandment? Answer. The first commandment forbids the denying or not worshiping and glorifying the true God as God and our God, and the giving of that worship and glory to any other which is due to him alone. Scripture proof, Romans 1, 20 through 25. Which says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal mans and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their heart to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Question 48. What are we specifically taught by these words, before me, in the first commandment? These words, before me, in the first commandment, teach us that God, who sees all things, takes notice of, and is much displeased with, the sin of having any other God. Scripture proof, Psalm 44, verses 20 and 21. If we, have forgot, if we had forgotten the name of our God, or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. What is God like? Whom should we follow? Many people must have been asking these questions during the turbulent times that we now celebrate as a Reformation. Reformers, counter-reformers, humanists, and Anabaptists argued and sometimes fought to define our understanding of God and His gospel. Nothing could be of greater importance. Wolfgang Capito was born in France in 1478. Wolfgang's father, Hans, was a poor and frugal smithy. He valued education and sent his son to a Latin school and then for training as a doctor. When Hans died in 1500, his last words were a command, warning Wolfgang against, the, against rashly becoming a priest. Rashly or not, Capito was already moving in that direction. Abandoning medicine, he studied theology. Specifically, he was trained as a Christian humanist, becoming a student and a close friend of Erasmus. As a humanist, he loved the biblical text and biblical languages, desired Christianity's reforms, particularly the morals of its leaders and priests, and yearned for peace. Soon he was ordained for service in the Catholic Church. Capito was sent to Basel in 1515. There, in Basel, Basil minister, he was slowly drawn out of Catholicism and mere humanism into the Reformation. While in Basel, he became friends with Zwingli and a correspondent of Luther. During this time, Luther's theology confused him. At first, he begged Luther to be less offensive, especially to the Pope. This counsel Luther did not heed. Even so, Capito eagerly pu published Luther's works in Northern Europe in 1518. Yet, still a humanist, Capito truly did not understand. He continued to engage in a dialogue with Luther, and then, in 1522, he visited Wittenberg. While disturbed by the tragic sin he witnessed there, yet he also discovered the heart of the Reformation in the Gospel. God found his heart. When God shifted him from a humanist to a theological reformer, Capito explained it this way, I have moved to the side of the pious papists, I have moved to the side of the pious papists, pious papists and Lutherans who seek only the soul's salvation and nothing temporal, and I admonish them to a Christian unity as much as God gives me grace. 
His heart was now God's, yet his humanist training resonated deeply with the biblical call for peace. During his lifetime, he wrote three hymns. One of them endured in German hymnals for centuries and is titled, Give Us Peace. Give us peace that we do, give us that peace that we do lack through misbelief and an ill life. Thy word to offer thou dost not slack, which we unkindly gain strive. With fire and sword this healthful word some persecute and oppress. Some with the mouth confess the truth with sincere godliness. Though God's word was powerfully being preached throughout Germany, France, and beyond, yet there was persecution and oppression within the Reformation, which wearied Capito and sent him to his knees in prayer and to his pen. He continued to call Luther and Zwingli to find common ground on the theology of the Lord's Supper, and he called for mercy to be shown to the Anabaptists. Throughout his life as a reformer, many interpreted, interpreted his call for mercy to theological opponent, opponents to mean he agreed with those opponents. Yet mercy is not agreement. His condemnation of violence, coercion, and even offensive language was a call to God's people not to interfere with the work of the Holy Spirit to discipline those who oppose. What is God like? Whom should we follow? Such questions still challenge the world today. As we seek to call many to delight in the God of Luther and Calvin, we would do well to follow Capito's example and God's command. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth. That's 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25. We are called to gentle and peaceful engagement, even at the risk of being misunderstood. All right, now let's prepare our hearts and our minds. Try to clear your mind of everything besides Jesus. And let's come to him now in prayer. Beginning with a verse for adoration, or I'm sorry, a verse for preparation to remind us of who God is, to get your mind focused on Jesus. Hear these words from John 1 verses 1 through 3 and really try to focus on who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. All right, now with your mind focused on God, the triune God, our Creator. Who the Bible says is Jesus Christ. Let's adore him and worship him now with these verse with this verse from Psalm 56 verses 8 through 11. You have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back 
in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? All right, now knowing that your trust is in God and you've spent time worshiping him and you're with your mind focused on Jesus, let's confess our sins to him, knowing that he has paid the price for you. From Matthew 6, 12 through 15, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So right now, ask God to help you forgive those that you've withheld forgiveness from. And if there is people in your life that you have withheld forgiveness from, confess that sin to God of your withheld forgiveness. And pause this podcast if you need to and call that person and offer them forgiveness for the sin that they've committed against you. Because you are sinning when you withhold forgiveness. And it says here, if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. But we know we are forgiven in Jesus if we're truly in him. All right, now that we've confessed our sins and our hearts hearts are right with God, let's take, take some time to thank him for all that he's done in our life and for the fact that he does forgive our sins and that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. Hear this verse from 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 3 through 5. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as it is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of each of one of you toward one another grows ever greater. Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. So now thank God there for, like it says, for every time that he gives you the ability to persevere through faith, through hard times, that he gives you uh, love of each other and that he gives you people who you can around you who you see as an example that you can speak of as an example of faith and thank him for all the sufferings that you go through because he through that suffering is preparing you for an eternal weight of glory to spend eternity with him he's preparing you for that with everything that you go through And now that we've focused on Jesus and we've spent time worshiping him, we've confessed our sins and we've thanked him for all the good things in our life. Now let's come to him to ask for those things that we need for our requests and our supplications. Here's a uh, 
a quote from Steps to Successful Prayer, Part 3, by John MacArthur. If we're not careful, our prayer lives can easily and quickly fall into a rut, a meaningless recitation of the same words and phrases day after day without any thought as to what we're saying or whom we're saying it to. So as you're praying to God, pray from the heart. Don't pray just the canned words or meaningless phrases, but pray from the heart for the things that you need. Cry out to him like you see David do in the Psalms. Now let's pray for some of the things that uh, are in the world around us and for ourselves. First, at your work, pray for your subordinates, for those that work that work for you. Pray that you would be a gospel light to them and that through you they would see the gospel. And pray for any needs that they have. If they've had anything that's on their mind that they've talked to you about, take time now to pray for that. And then pray for yourself, that you might use your body as an instrument of righteousness. Like it says in Romans 6, 12 through 14, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as an instrument of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Next, pray for our nation. Pray that that we would be able to seek what's best for our nation. That we would live in a way that we are doing the best thing that we can for our country because even though we know that this is not our home eternally and that eternally our home and our citizenship is with Christ in the new Jerusalem on the restored earth now we are exiles in this land in the United States and we should be praying for it and we should be doing the best that we can to cause it to prosper so hear this word from Jeremiah 29 7 Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And there he's talking about how the Israelites were carried away to Babylon, and they were exiles stuck in Babylon. But he's saying that they should work to try and make sure that Babylon prospers so that they can prosper. In the same way, we need to be working for our country to prosper. All right, and then pray for your neighbors. Think of a neighbor that you know who's not a Christian and pray for them by name that your unsaved neighbor would repent of his sins and trust in Christ as the Lord. Here's John 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. In the same way, pray for your friends. Pray that one of your unsaved friends, by name, would hear the gospel. 
Like it says in Romans 10, 13 and 14, For whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they then believe in him in whom they have not heard? So now pray for that friend that somebody would share the gospel with them, or that maybe even you would be given a chance to share the gospel with them. And pray for our church. Pray that our church would, that each of your churches would love one another, that the members of that church would love one another. Like it says in John 13, 34, Jesus speaking, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And pray for you and your spouse, that you and your spouse might pray together daily, Like it says in Amos 3, verse 3, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? And there's no way to be better agreed than to spend time together praying. So now pray that you and your spouse would be together. Or would pray together. And now together, let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.